0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management.
1: It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition with Gary Ray,
2: Today is December 8th, 2015. Good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Network Radio. Joining me today as co-host is Lieutenant Colonel Bill Forbes, U.S. Army retired, former Deputy Secretary for the Maryland Department of Veterans Affairs, also past Department Commander for the DAV for the state of Maryland. Good morning, Bill. Good morning,
3: Gary. Good, Great to be with you.
2: You know, Bill... Uh, I hope everybody remembered uh, Pearl Harbor Day, which was yesterday, and uh, actually last year um, we had a a young man scheduled uh, to tell his story, and I'd like to share that story with you. On December 7th, 1941, Edward Colleen was a young Marine. He was on guard in a crow's nest of the USS Tennessee, then all of a sudden he hears planes flying towards the ship. The next thing he knows, he hears bullets bouncing off the cage around him, Cared for his life. He ran down the spiral stairs so fast, his feet were not touching most of the stairs. Once he reached the deck, the captain told him to sound general quarters on a bugle, but all that came out of that bugle was just a shrill. The captain yelled, general quarters, this is not a drill, this is not a drill. Many died that day. It was the start of World War II, and Edward survived and continued to fight in the Battle of the Coral Sea on the USS Pensacola, Saipan, and Hiroshima. He was a bazooka man, Spanish interpreter, and was combat wounded. This broadcast is dedicated to the greatest generation, those that ushered the beginning of World War II at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, December 7th, 1941. And as quoted by President Roosevelt, a day that will live in infamy. Bill, you know, we had Edward scheduled last year, actually, to be on. And in August 3rd, he did pass away. Uh, he was a great man. And um, actually, we—I I personally talked to the man also. Um, and uh, he was very, at, at at a young age of 92, he was ready to do that show. <laughs> so now, too bad we missed him. But you have any stories, uh, Bill, about, especially well, about, web- go ahead. Gary,
3: I'd just like to say that that's a very interesting story. And uh, as you know, uh, I, I tried uploading some uh some photographs to you that was taken back in 1941 with a Brownie Hawkeye camera. And I think it might serve us well if we might be able to get those up on the website so folks can see them if you receive them.
2: Yes, I did receive them. I'm going to see if I can get them up there today. Uh, and I'll just share that link with them, uh, showing actual pictures of what was going on in the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Uh, you know, that's, that's another story to tell. Uh, you know last week's show we had Randy Jones, a member of the board for the of the Directors for the Veterans Suicide Prevention Channel. The Veterans Suicide Prevention Channel has been created to try to save lives of American veterans and promote good health and understanding to their family members and supporters. our This channel will actually achieve these goals by producing and broadcasting shows that contain healing subject matter and information educating, entertainment, and providing resource information that will benefit America's veterans and their family members and supporters wherever they may live, nationwide and internationally. Now, Bill, you also had some news about uh, women in combat.
3: Well, yes, I do, Gary. Uh, In January 2016, which is less than a month away, the Secretary of the uh, uh, uh Defense Ash Carter has announced that women will soon be able to join the ranks of the Army's infantry armor and Special operations units. those are the combat units uh uh within the uh in the u s army, and that uh, uh in january uh, the way is paved now for Uh, All of the specialties that we've known that have been for men only will be open to our women who serve our great nation. The decision opens 220,000 jobs across the military. That's about 10% of the force of which women will be serving into, and they uh, will be welcome, and we welcome them also here at the American Heroes Network. Definitely. 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 Now, Bill, uh, we have a we have a pretty cool
2: um, I guess today. He's going to be talking about um, uh, something that we haven't brought up at all uh, because I believe this is the only uh, nonprofit that uh, uh, has this idea. And why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest?
3: Uh, my honor, Gary, and it's very very interesting looking at uh, at the website. Uh, to, today, our our guest is Zach Northup chief executive officer, and co-founder of Stand Watch. Zach served in the United States Army and the Army National Guard between 1992 and 2000, leaving the service with the rank of captain. In 1996, Zach started his own publishing and consulting firm where he interviewed high-profile individuals, including members of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, service secretaries, elected officials, and soldiers in Bosnia, Honduras, and other locations. As a consultant, Zach worked for Boeing, Northrop Grumman, Raytheon, 3M, and dozens of small firms that range from startups to multi-million dollar firms, we want to provide a great welcome to Zach Northup to the American Heroes Network.
2: Welcome, welcome Zach. Thanks, guys. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity. All right, uh, Zach, tell us about what StandWatch is all about, and how did all this start? Well, <clears throat> it's a—it's uh, kind of an interesting
4: story. Um, you know being a veteran i've always been kind of plugged into the whole veterans issue and uh you know uh, with the google news alerts that come across my desk every day you know I'm, i try to stay on top of what's happening but uh back in september when this report came out from the uh va's ig about the number of deaths that have occurred veteran deaths that have occurred uh from uh, people who were waiting uh, for health care at the Veterans administration um, or VA hospitals, um, you know that just that was a shocking figure to me um, and I couldn't believe it at first, uh, but then you know I, I went and read the report, which was available online and it was it was startling so um, Anyway, the next morning I was, I was having breakfast with a friend of mine who's a doctor, a general practitioner, but he's also the chief of staff of a regional medical center uh, here in West Virginia. Um, we were talking about this, and you know one of the things that, that came out from the report is uh, access, um, particularly veterans who live in rural areas and small towns across the country. you know we're in West Virginia that has a you know, a particularly important meaning for us because, you know, we have a lot of people who live in small, out-of-the-way places. So, you know, looking at this problem, um, you know, the the VA is a, is a big organization. They have, like in our state, four separate hospitals and a number of clinics, but they just, you know, they can't be everywhere. There, there's not enough money. Uh, no institution could do that. So he and I came up with the idea, well, okay, we've got to do something. We've got to reach out to these people. Um, but frankly, the, the, the specifics of an idea was they were they were kind of elusive. And um, but uh, that week, a couple of days later, uh, my son, uh, who was college age, um, he, he got me hooked on this YouTube series called Expedition Overland, um, and uh, there was an episode of that series where these guys, normal guys from, I think they're from Montana, but uh, they were on an expedition down in Central America, and they linked up with a group called T5, um, which is a, a nonprofit that uh, is staffed with uh, doctors and medics from the special forces community. Anyway, these guys, they rolled into a remote Central American, uh, I think it was in Costa Rica, uh, village, uh, and they did some fantastic things for these villagers, providing them free health care. You know, and, and I watched that and went, Boom! That, that's what we need to do. So I texted my friend and said, "Hey, well, let's do mobile medical teams. And um, we'll just throw a bunch of doctors in a truck and drive them down to you know rural towns and or rural areas and small towns. We'll set up mobile hospitals, do basic screening, which is what is needed, um, and we'll identify cases where uh, you know there are emergent needs or critical needs, and if." Uh, we, once we identify those people, if we can't get them into the VA, well, okay, we'll take them to a civilian hospital and we'll get them treated there. Um, so that's that's that was the genesis for the whole concept. And uh, we uh, registered and incorporated as a nonprofit in September. Um, we submitted our 501c3 application to the IRS October 19th, I think it was. And uh, since then, we've just basically been raising awareness and, and building the infrastructure
2: uh, to to actually pull this off. Um, but yeah, that's the short version. Mm-hmm. Now what happens uh, at each of these sites? Well, the current strategy, the current plan um, is we roll into one of
4: these these areas. And we'll talk a little later about how we identify the areas. but. Uh, it, it basically run it like um, like an international medical mission. You know, like a lot of churches, a lot of nonprofits, they'll send groups of doctors over to, you know, Haiti or India or elsewhere, uh, and they'll set up little mini hospitals um, where people can come in, and they receive that basic checkup, if you will, you know, address minor issues. Um, and that's the same concept of what we're talking here, except we're just going to do it here in the United States. So we use a network that um, that exists to kind of publicize the event. We have people on our board of advisors from local media that we can use to to you know publicize it a little bit. Um, we'll go into these areas, set up uh, a clinic, and uh, treat anybody, you know, any veteran that comes in. We'll do that basic diagnostic, and um, the goal, the ultimate goal, is in is totally resource based. Um, But if we get somebody in who needs to see a specialist, um, we'll either try to place them in the VA and we have doctors who have connections at the local VA hospitals who, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of picking up the phone and calling the right person. But if we can't get them in the VA, again, in an ideal situation, once we get up to full steam, uh, we want to be able to say, okay, you need to see a cardiologist, Go see this doctor on this such and such a date, and we'll pay the expense for the first visit, you know, for the consult. Um, Again, that is totally resource-based, but that that's ultimately where we want to be. And if you really want to aim high, which we do, eventually, we kind of like to be the St. Jude's on wheels, you know, where if we come across a veteran who, you know, unfortunately needs like a kidney transplant or you know, some type of gastrointestinal gastrointestinal operation or something like that, well, okay, we'll drive them to a civilian hospital and drop them off and say, okay, hospital, we'll pay the bill. You know, All right. that's, that's what we want to get to. <laughs> okay. If that is step 1,000, we are on <laughs> step, like, 10 right now. Um, so uh, we have a long way to go, but, you know,
2: truth is we're only about two and a half months into this. So. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we're going to go ahead. We're going to go ahead and take a break. Okay. Today, today's show. T- today's show was brought to you by First Class Merchant Services. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back.
0: network.com and syndicated on iTunes.
1: Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into American heroes network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program.
2: Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Zach Northup, CEO
3: and founder for Standwatch. And Bill, you have a question? Well, yes, uh, Zach. You know, one of the things that uh, that concerns me is that I believe that the greatest void in the veterans community is a lack of information, and something like this in an area uh, like uh, where you are in West Virginia, and, and 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 a great number of our men and women who are serving today come from the rural and remote areas. So specifically getting the word out. What's the communications vehicle that you use to get this information to the veterans that you're serving? You know, right now,
4: we have a couple venues or a couple channels, if you will. You know,
3: social media,
4: (laughs) surprisingly, frankly, um, we're we're doing pretty well. Um, You know, we just launched a pretty aggressive Facebook page. Uh, When I say aggressive, meaning, you know, we're promoting it a lot. Uh, We're we're upwards around 1,200, 1,250 likes, if you will. Um, Twitter, Instagram, we've got a couple hundred going there. But as I said earlier, um, one member of our advisory board is uh, the anchor of a local television news station. Um, And we have contacts. uh, Actually, I go to church with another gentleman who is a local radio celebrity. Um, So when we've had some small fundraisers, uh, it hasn't been an issue to get on local media and social media to spread the word. Um, One key asset, uh, I shouldn't really call him an asset. He's he's, he's a great, great guy that's going to help us a lot. And I think he's been on your show, actually, Jim McCormick. Um, Yes. But Jim, you know, through his job and, uh, you know, through his network, um, he has, uh, he helps uh, people in rural areas uh, learn how to farm. And I think he has a beekeeping, excuse me, <coughs> sorry, a beekeeping uh, class or some type of course of, course of instruction too. Uh, Raising Cane Farms is, is one of his organizations. But uh, we had lunch, uh, him and uh, Woody Williams, who was, the last surviving Medal of Honor winner uh, from Iwo Jima. Um, and we're all we're trying to figure out a way to coordinate efforts and, and get the word out. But Jim, because of his job, uh, he knows the veterans uh, who live in these rural areas. I mean, he knows who the movers and shakers are in these small communities. So <clears throat> what we're already doing, coupled with what he is doing, uh, will provide – we think uh the initial access to the to
3: the groups of people that we want to reach yeah that that that's great because that uh is, is so important in getting the word out so uh that uh, veterans can get service i know on the on the eastern end of the state uh, uh i'm i'm based in in maryland and yep. that the uh the uh uh, a medical Center at Martinsburg, West Virginia, does a tremendous job in that area for the eastern end of West Virginia, and it serves a tremendous amount of our veterans who are in rural uh, western Maryland. But, they really but, do,
4: but, you know. And like I said, there are four VA hospitals in West Virginia: uh, Martinsburg, Clarksburg, Beckley, and, and Huntington. Um, and you know, uh, we say from the first paragraph on our website our issue is not with the VA we we are apolitical we aren't interested in government reform or policy we will never accept one dime of government money uh you know we want the government to spend the money on the VA you know so um <clears throat> the the problem i think and i you know there are a number of opinions on on how to fix the VA we aren't we aren't in that business from my own personal perspective, they uh, there are just a lot of vet- veterans. The War on Terror has created a lot of veterans. And these hospitals, some of them do a fantastic job at managing the, the workload, if you will, the patient demand. Uh, some of them just aren't set up for the amount of need that exists in the current system. And, you know, that that's that's... Frankly, that's their business. All we are interested in is putting boots on the ground in these small communities and doing the initial diagnosis. Hopefully, hopefully, all of our veteran patients will go to the VA and be treated and seen in a timely manner.
2: That's our right.
4: issue is, our, our our goal, our task is if for some reason we can't use our contacts or influence or whatever to get them into the VA and they have a critical problem, well, by gosh, they're going to a civilian hospital. We'll take care of that. That's that's the objective here. We ultimately want to work with the VA, but, you know, the fact is the the VA just doesn't have that surge capability. So, you know, we're going to get them treated one way or the other.
3: That's 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 the basic premise. Well, right. Zach, that's, that's so important because, you know, uh, uh, this is a major gap in service in my opinion that uh uh, uh the uh, the stand watch is providing a very vital service so much to the point that you know we we tend as veterans it's been my experience and even observing other veterans when these services become uh you know, not available or difficult or challenged. It leads to other things with depression and, 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 and one of the things that we're concerned about now of, uh, of uh, our veterans becoming so depressed that they take their lives. And, and I think as long as there's something out there like uh, what Stand Watch is doing and can get these veterans referred to other areas uh, for their help and assistance, I, I think that's a, that's a major uh, kind of service in, in, into the rural communities. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that, um, well,
4: it's, it's, it's just needed. And, you know, it's common sense uh, what, you know, the, the main risk we have is resources. Um, you know, uh, of the amount of money that we've raised so far, the IRS took a quarter of it. For our, for our, uh, nonprofit or 501C3 application, um, mm-hmm. so <clears throat> ultimately that's the Achilles' heel. Uh, we will be totally dependent on how much money we have available. We don't have a paid staff. Everything we're doing is, is volunteer. Um, you know, everything we're we're, we're getting right now uh, is going into building the infrastructure uh, so that once, well, let me put it this way. When, what, what we want to focus on right now is building the capability that can adjust to the amount of resources. In other words, we want to have, we want to have the capacity to do or, or treat as many people as possible with the only limitation being the amount of money we have on hand. Um, yeah. You know, in an ideal world, we want to treat thousands, but in reality, you know, we're going to start small and build up from there. When, when Habitat for Humanity started, they built one house at a time. Uh, when Make-A-Wish Foundation started, you know, they were granting one wish at a time. At a time. Uh, so we're under no delusions that, you know, we're, we won't be able to fix this problem, um, but we can certainly address it. Uh, and the goal is to do our first clinic in February. Um, but there's just, there are a, an incredible amount of, of tasks that have to be accomplished before we can even treat patient one. And that's where we are right now. All
3: right. So, Zach, before we end this segment uh, of, the, of the program, and, uh, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, and I would hope that you would let us all know at this point now how we can help by way of, uh, you know, just people showing up to help and contributions, mm-hmm. you know, those, uh, those 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 dollar bills that can help. How can they help and uh, how can they get that kind of help and assistance to you?
4: yeah um well, you know how much time do we have before the break? <laughs> uh, probably uh,
2: about two minutes <laughs> okay
4: well, real simple here. Um, when we came up with the business plan and yeah. we didn't do a business plan for this for this for this project um, because we we are an incorporated nonprofit entity, uh, and we're not interested in doing a one off uh, We want to do as many clinics as we possibly can for the foreseeable future so you know, we're 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 trying to set it up so it's self-sustaining. Um, you know, the initial plan was okay. We'll just uh, we'll just rely on donations, big donations. Well, you know, okay. The fact is, the economy sucks, and those big donations are few and far between. We think we'll get them, but we have to have a sustainable business. So, you know, we we'll, we've been looking around, and the ultimate goal is to build multiple revenue streams. Uh, a the big donors, B, smaller donations, $25, $50, and so forth. C, uh, we, are, we actually, last night, we got our online store up and running, and we're doing a one-for-one one campaign. And basically, we did the math, and uh, the profit from the sale of one T-shirt or one hat or one beanie will pay the operational cost for our vehicles for one mile. So it's a one-for-one. One. We want to do 10,000 miles next year in 2016. So, you know, theoretically, we need to sell 10,000 T-shirts to pay for that. Um, that sounds like a incredible goal, but, you know, why not aim high, you know? Uh, but so, you know, in terms of contributing, you know, if people want to go buy a T-shirt, they can go buy a T-shirt. That's great. You know, that'll help us. If people want to give money, they can give money. If people want to make a huge donation... <laughs> if there you know for all the Donald Trumps out there and the you know the whoever else you know we're not going to turn any money away but, but the bottom line is we want to build a sustainable business
2: model where we have consistent cash flow so we can do the things we want to do Correct. Now we're going to go ahead and take a break. I hope everybody had a chance to go to the Veteran Suicide Prevention Channel. If if you haven't, go to the vSPchannel.com to learn more. Be sure to check out their fundraising or events. You're going to hear more and more about this organization. Uh, they're doing a phenomenal job, and and uh, you know to have their own uh, TV station. 24 uh, 7. It's very important for our veterans. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television?
0: Let us surprise you.
2: Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24 7.
1: If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to AmericanHeroesNetwork at gmail.com. That's AmericanHeroesNetwork at
2: gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Zach Northup, CEO and founder for StandWatch. And, Zach, um, your position on avoiding political landlines that surround the issues of veterans' health care. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
4: Yeah. Yeah, that's – <clears throat> when we came up with the concept uh, – well, mm-hmm. let me take one step back. In a previous life, um <laughs> I did some lobbying work, and uh, went, during those consulting years, I was kind of like a, a backbencher – on the discussions uh, that the various companies would have about how to approach Congress and the Pentagon about this particular weapon system or that particular airplane or that kind of thing, so you know, I I, I won't say I have a an expert knowledge of the Washington slash State House political landscape, but I have a pretty good concept of how it works. I did it for almost 17 years, um, so you know, I knew going into this that the only way it would be successful is if we remain apolitical. Um, we can't go one way or the other. Um, it, it's, it, veterans' issues should not be a political issue, but in some people's eyes, they are. Um, now, you know, the whole reason for us starting out was because, okay, the, that report, the IG report that the Veterans Administration put out, uh so we can 't really talk about our reason for being without talking about you know some of the the, the problems that the system currently has uh the v a system uh but that 's that 's the extent that we want to go in terms of criticizing the v a we're when we 're not criticizing them we just have to we have to acknowledge the problem before we can fix it um, so you know one of the things that uh you know <laughs> And part of this was born out of my cynicism of the political process. And I I admit that. I freely admit that. But um, we will never do a photo op. Um, We will never do a meet and greet for an elected official. Um, I've seen and been involved in too many of those events where somebody shows up, they get their picture taken with the staff, they do the handshake, and then they move on. Um, And that is non-productive. So if, uh, if an elected official wants to come down to a care site and help out and get dirty, we're talking work boots, putting up tents, you know, just doing everything that we have to do to make these things work, uh, great. We, we may do a group photo at the end of the day, a group photo at the end of the day, but uh, we will not allow our brand, our name, our people or our patients to be used for, for, for political purposes. That's just, that's not what we're about. And um, now, one of the things that, that we had talked about, um, you know, so imagine this care site, you know, we have the hospital tent or whatever, and that's where patients are going and being treated. Like I said all along, the goal is to, if we can get them into the VA, well, let's get them in the VA. Um, you know, anybody who, who who has ever had anything medically done, um, many times to expedite things, your doctor has to call another doctor, personal friend or whatever, and say, hey, Chuck, would you mind seeing my patient here? And that's how the system is, is, is expedited. So we were thinking, okay, right beside the medical tent, we need to have an action team tent where we have... People, either other physicians or community leaders or or elected officials who are literally sitting there with cell phones uh, who can, you know, we can send patient X to them and say, hey, patient X needs to get into this particular VA hospital or whatever. Can you help them? You know, if, if that elected official can pick up that cell phone and call somebody right there i.e. do their job representing the American people and get that person into the VA hospital, bam, boom, perfect, great. We'll give them all the kudos they deserve. But uh, you know, that that's the extent that we'll allow uh the political process to interfere with what we're doing. Uh we need influencers. We don't need we don't need political support. We need we need influencers. Um so you know, that, that's where we are. We'll, we'll never allow our our logo to be used on a campaign sign or, or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm almost as passionate about keeping this apolitical as I am about the entire project. I mean, I think it would be suicide for the project if we became political.
2: That's true. Now, Zach, um, I think we talked about this uh, when I first, uh, the first time we talked was, um, uh, you know, the, ch- the choice card where they pay outside doctors, uh, you know, a fee for service mm-hmm. um, in the future. Isn't there some type of uh, situation where you can be considered uh, outside network fee for service and, and help with the costs? Well, here's the thing with that. Um, mm-hmm
4: anytime you start touching insurance or programs that are affiliated with hospitals or specific hospitals or anything like that, you start getting into things like HIPAA and um, general regulatory oversight. And, you know, again, we're trying to keep our staff lean and mean. And I'm concerned that if we ever take any type of insurance card, or co-payment, or the Choice card, or you know, Tricare, or whatever, that, you know, that's just going to you know, put on a layer of complexity that we're not prepared to handle. So, you know, again, the goal is you know, no government money, no insurance, you know, we fund everything from private donations or our own, you know, own store, or own one-for-one campaign, or whatever, uh, and just keep things as simple as possible. Um, working with an attorney right now to you know for our disclosure reform and our dis, our um, um not disclosure um forgive me the uh, waiver um you know that patients will have to sign. Um but other than that, that's that's in an ideal world, that's all we want that's that's the only piece of paper we want to put in front of somebody saying, Hey, okay, we're just doing a basic diagnosis here. Um, you know, we'll treat you, um we'll we'll get you to where you need to be. But once we started accepting insurance, no, oh, my gosh, the headaches of that involves. One, one anecdote, for instance, a friend of mine just told me, um, he's a general practitioner. Uh, this year, he has billed more fees, more expenses uh, than he has in the last 20 combined. Okay, And yet, he has made less money this year than at any time, in his entire career, and you know, I was, you know, I was trying to do the math here. I was like, "What? What? Well, that doesn't make sense." And he said, "Well, the problem is, uh, you know, and again, I'm not trying to touch on a on a political lightning rod or anything like that, but because of Obamacare and the the insurance reforms and all this other stuff, people are defaulting to high deductible insurance plans. You know, with one thousand, three thousand, five thousand dollar deductibles." Um, so these general practitioners are basically doing – they're running cash businesses where a patient will come in, you know, they'll, they'll be seen, and that patient will be responsible for paying the bill. Um, and you know, with the economy being what it is, um, a lot of people just can't afford to pay their deductibles. So the doctors are basically taking a huge hit. Uh, the general practitioners, they're not getting paid. Uh, none of them that I know of are refusing to see patients. They're just they're not getting paid for them. Um, so you know, we don't want to get into a position where we're dependent on insurance money or, or a billing process that sucks time and produces no money. So, again, the goal is to run everything through our, you know, our, our own resources and not even touch government programs or
2: insurance programs okay what's the um, uh, the timeline for the initial operation? The goal is to do the first
4: clinic in February, but that is entirely dependent on uh, you know on resources. Um, you know another logistical aspect of this. Um, you know all of the doctors who are volunteering have their own malpractice insurance you know they're they're fully licensed and insured, uh, but both from a lawyer's perspective. Uh, and from my own perspective, uh, we feel like we need to be fully insured ourselves um, because there's – pardon the expression – there's inevitably some blood-sucking ambulance-chasing lawyer
2: right, <laughs> who, right. who
4: will try to sue us <laughs> if something goes wrong. So um, we know we've got to come up with the revenue to pay for a malpractice policy for the organization. And then, we, you know, of course, we have to have the revenue for uh, – Vehicle insurance and vehicle operational expenses and that kind of thing. So, anyway, timeline. We wanted to, we want to start in February, but uh, and I think we'll get there. Um, we just got to raise some money before before we can get out there. Right,
3: Bill. Uh, Zach, uh, I, I'm I'm concerned, uh, uh, and and I know there should be some success stories that you've had since you've provided that, been providing the service, and uh, certainly if there are, I'd uh, certainly like to hear you uh, highlight some of those. And we do, and do have about two, two minutes this, for that. Until we
4: get the logistical things in place, particularly the malpractice insurance, we're relying on the doctors. Uh, one of our doctors, or actually our chief medical officer, Melon Moses, Dr. Mellon Moses, he's been treating uh, you know, veterans, uh, actually who who have come from the VA hospital, local VA hospital, to him for a long time, um, and you know, so <laughs> uh, and this is the this is the promoter in me. This is this is me talking. But I, you know, I've, I talked with them yesterday. I said, hey, uh, we need to get one of the veterans you're treating for free, you know, to come talk to us so we can tell people about it. He um, said, "Yeah, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll make that happen." So it's it's already happening. We just can't use names, you know. Right. <laughs> we can't totally. until we get somebody to say, "Well, okay, you know, here's the release." You know, because of HIPAA, we can't we can we can't say, "Okay, we treated patient this person or patient that person," but it's already happening. It's been happening for months, um, even yeah. before we started right. uh, officially started. Right. So, well, um, you know, and there have been some tragedies. In terms of things we've caught um, and you know I, I well I, I can I can talk about one
2: that um, I can't get into this, the names or anything like that but right. while we person, come back with that we only have we only have about a minute before break okay. so we real can quick come back. I can I can, hit, I can hit it but it's up to you uh, okay go ahead Go ahead. yeah uh, <laughs> this, this gentleman
4: had been treated by uh Number of physicians at a VA hospital, and um, they had had him on a medication where they were supposed to test him, give him a blood test every year, and they never gave him a blood test for five years, and the medication ruined his kidneys, and uh, he had to go to a civilian hospital to to get things fixed. Um, But that's if that had been caught, if we had had a mobile medical team out in his community, you know, and checked on him, we might have caught that. That's, that's, right. those, those are the types of cases we're trying to fix
2: that's true well we're going to go ahead and take that break do you own a business, would you be interested in saving money on your merchant account, then check out our sponsor First Class Merchant Services they are national give Josh a call right now, that's Josh Cole at First Class Merchant Services call 407 that's 407 you're listening to the American Heroes Radio powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back.
1: if you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now,
2: back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Zach Northup, CEO and founder for Standwatch. And, Bill?
3: Well, Zach, looking at your very great uh, website here, I see uh, that uh, very shortly on the 14th of this month that you're partnering with a, another organization uh, for a presentation in Charleston, West Virginia. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going to happen at that yeah. event?
4: Yeah, actually it's it's pretty fun. One of the things that uh, one of the more successful um awareness slash fundraising things that we've kind of stumbled on is uh, we, we we partner with local restaurants. Uh, and, you know, we buy T-shirts for their staff and they put up some signage and stuff and accept donations. Uh, but on the 14th, Qdoba, uh, which is actually a national Mexican grill mm-hmm. restaurant chain, um, they have two locations here in Charleston. Um, they're going to, they're we're going to do an event uh, and they'll, they're actually donating twenty percent of their take for that day uh to stand watch and um you know they're they're fun to be honest with you i mean you know we don't make a ton of money off of them um, you know we have expenses related to them but the in terms of getting the word out and uh you know you know just spreading awareness they're they're great events and kidoba's been fantastic um and again it's a national chain that um who knows you know it it could grow from there uh, for these first two stores but Um, Those are the types of things that we're trying to do, just to to make a little bit of money, um, but primarily get get our name out there.
3: Well, that's great, Zach. I mean, uh, and in Charleston especially, I mean, that's a great city I can remember from my many travels in there. We're sitting on the Kanawha River in a very, very pic- picturesque area. Really? you even said yeah. it.
4: You even pronounced it correctly. That's cool. Most people there. butcher Kanawha. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so that's, that's good. That's good. So, so
3: that's great. But and 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 but but also, you know, getting that word out to the folks that are out there that really. Challenged from transportation, and uh, you know, just getting the news about that—that's so important because we don't want to leave those people behind. And getting the word out to them, right? And that's that—you know—that's that's that's the critical part right now. I mean, you know,
4: we have some lofty goals with our organization. Um, We are in startup mode right now, and you know, eighty percent of of what we do right now is spreading the word. We have to let people know what we're doing. We have to, you know, let people know that we're for real, that, you know, we're not some fly-by-night organization. Um, you know, and that you know from a business perspective that that comes down to branding, you know. And, and that's where we are right now. We're just we're spreading the word, uh, trying to get our logistics set up uh, so we do this right and we can do it sustainably. Um, but, uh, you know, it, yeah. we're, frankly, it, it, it's kind of fun. I mean, you know, you get this sense of satisfaction out of, you know, helping people, you know, helping your brothers and sisters. Um, and, um, you know, this will go. It will happen. Uh and I think it'll happen in a big way. Uh we're just we're just taking it slow, doing it by the numbers, so you know, five years from now we can look back and say,
3: Yeah, okay, we did it right, you know. We crossed all of our T's and dotted all of our I's. Well, Zach, there's a lot of work out there to be done. I don't think you're ever gonna be short. Of uh, in terms of being able to find people to provide help and assistance. I mean, I, I think, you know, if somehow we had uh, all of the information on those people that we don't hear about and we don't see, there's plenty of work out there, my friend, and I'm sure you'll find it.
4: Yeah, I think we will too. Uh, I think we'll, you know, after the first clinic, it'll, it'll take off. It'll take off. And, you know, part of me – wishes that it wouldn't. <laughs> I wish the problem didn't exist. But, um, you know, I, I'm I'm confident that we'll have some impact. We will never be able to solve the entire problem. And if you want my honest opinion, I think the VA will get its act together and, um, you know, down the road. I mean, the fact is it's a huge bureaucracy and whether it's the Pentagon or any other federal agency, it just takes it takes a long time to steer that ship. I think they'll get there. I really do. But just in the interim, we we, we, we need to get out there and, and and you know,
3: save some people. That's that's what it amounts to. Um, so Well, Zach, I, I can tell you wars and in in uh, conflicts around the world. Will always create a problem for us. I, you know, I, I would just hope that everybody across this uh, this earth would would consider that because you know the question is, what is the cost of war in terms of human capital? And I think That's the right. kinds of things that you're doing right now, you can begin to answer that question of what it costs. So we need, you know, and if miraculously, if we could stop every Weapon of war that we know right now on this earth, we would see that what you're trying to do to help folks going on for years to come, and we don't right. have to look too far for that. Just go back to World War II, uh, Pearl Harbor. We talked about at the beginning of the the uh, the, the show. To we've still got folks there that we need to help, and 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 you know, uh, uh, before I forget about this, the last living. World War I veteran was in your state of West Virginia, right yes, there in Charleston. That is
4: true. Yep, yep, that is totally That's true. Cool. We, have, we, right. we actually have the, I believe, uh, the highest per capita veteran population of any state. Uh, there are only 1.4 million people in the entire state, but a lot
2: of them are veterans. Um, so you know, it's, it's kind of a point of pride, really. All right. Zach, we only have a couple minutes left. Uh, it was really a pleasure having you on the show today. And uh, what we'd like you to do is uh, share with our listeners uh, uh, what you'd like to share in closing here.
4: Yeah. Um, you know, we, we covered a lot of uh, the basics of what we're doing. Um, again, the key right now is just getting the word out and, um, you know, building those revenue streams. I mean, I hate to speak of it in business terms, but you know, uh, what we do, however many people we treat, will be totally dependent upon the resources that we have. Um, so even even if, if 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 you know a listener can't donate something or can't go out and buy a shirt or a hat or whatever, um, you know, if, if they could follow us on Facebook. Uh, it's StandWatchOrg, facebook.com forward slash StandWatchOrg, not .org, StandWatchOrg. Uh, and it's the same handle on uh, Twitter and Instagram. So even if you can't contribute, if you could just go and, and, and like us and social media and follow us and spread the word, that is invaluable. I mean, that is absolutely invaluable. So you know, the bottom line is we are quickly approaching the point where we will have capacity to deal with this issue in some way uh, we just need uh, a, a big network of people that we can call to to lend a hand whenever we're on a site and you know we need people who will go out there and wear our t-shirts and our hats and you know donate some money or whatever to uh, help us get to the point where we can you know pay the expenses of doing this right um, so you know
2: that's it all right bill.
3: We only have about 30 seconds, so go ahead. Well, we'll well, we'll get it done. Zach, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for your service to to our country and your continued service to the men and women who serve and are in need of medical help. Thank you, gentlemen.
2: Uh, It was an honor. If you missed any of our live shows, all our shows are archived on demand 24-7 on our website. And you can hear all our archive shows right from your phone. And remember, that we spotlight and promote the best available information of interest to America's veterans and their families anytime, anywhere, and on any mobile device. I'm Gary Ray. Thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.